start by who here has struggled with depression or fear of the future or anxiety around where you're supposed to be going, what you're supposed to be doing, <laughs> worried about finances in the future or now. Anybody had like any issues with their eyes? <laughs> Anybody had like surgery on their eyes? Because um, today I want to introduce us to Jesus as our financial advisor, yeah. Jesus as our like optometrist or our ophthalmologist. Um, and then Jesus is our psychologist. He's going to actually be our counselor. Yeah. And it's all through one passage, Matthew 6. So, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart surgeon as well. He's concerned about where our heart is. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and God. You cannot serve both God and your career. You cannot serve both God and what is it for you? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more, than, more important than food and your body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. feels like God's that um, famous counselor where it's like you, you go in and he says, oh, I'm worried about this and this. He's like, well, stop it. <laughs> He's like, no, but you don't understand. You don't know my past. You don't know what I'm going through. He's like, no, 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 we don't do that here. <laughs> Just stop it. It's like, don't worry. It's like, do not be anxious about anything. It's like, I know there's a lot of challenges. I know that there's problems. I know what's happening in South Africa, but don't worry. And it's like, it's easy to say that but it's maybe a bit more difficult to, to walk it out. And that's Jesus coming as like our psychologist. He's actually saying, don't worry. And he doesn't say, just don't worry. He says, don't worry because your heavenly father knows and he sees. 
He just speaks into it. We, we've heard it time and time again that it's actually our identity as sons and daughters of God that allow us to actually trust God. That it doesn't matter what's happening in the country. It doesn't matter what's happening around the world. It doesn't matter what yeah, crazy presidents are doing or crazy Russian presidents or crazy American presidents or crazy South African presidents. Or It's like God's in control and He's able to watch over what's actually happening. He's able to watch over your life. And He just wants to say, like, actually, your Father knows exactly what you need. Look at the birds. Look at the grass. Look at what's actually happening around us. We can trust Him. So that's, that's just the one element. Then He says, like, where are you storing up your treasure? I was thinking this whole thing is like, man, this is Warren's life story. He's a financial advisor. He's had, like, eye surgery. It's, <laughs> And now he's studying psychology, so it's like it's the perfect like little sermon for Warren. So today it's like it's not about Star Wars, it's actually Warren and, and the church. Um, but as a financial advisor, he's saying, like, where are you investing your life? Where are you investing the resources you've got? What are you doing with what he's given you? And it's not this, I don't know, man, I have to I have to give it to the church, or I have to pray more, I have to do this. He's actually saying. Will you seek the kingdom? So because of this, we need to actually understand what the kingdom is and what it means. And what does it look like to actually seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? Because I think we've got a lot of like religious language around this and we, we hear this and it's like, man, okay, I have to do the right thing. Like Rebecca, I have to make good choices. It's like when she first joined our life group years ago, she's just like, okay, I'm going to make good life choices. I'm just going to try and make good life choices. And it was, some of it was like, man, I, I'm just going to, I'm coming to church. And I'm going to come to life group. And I'm going to start praying. And I'm going to start reading my Bible. And it's like, those things are great. But that's just like dipping our toe into the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom starts breaking out in our life. And it affects how we educate those around us. And how we start creating schools and we design robotics courses. Then we take them into the world and into 150 plus schools and then give them away for free. And go and change education in the country and around the world. And it, like, it gets into how we actually sell products and we create a company that can feed other people and can resource other people. And it affects how we advise people on what they do with their finances. So it's, it, it touches every aspect of our lives. It functions as we are lawyer. It's like we help facilitate what's actually happening in the world. Because part of God's kingdom coming is stopping the abuse and the sin and the, the, the neglect. And it's like we need contracts to put that in place. Because we know that people are sinful. And people will lie and cheat and steal and go back on their word but then we put contracts in place and we put society in place to try and like curb that and then we try and model something different where he says like seek first his righteousness his righteousness is a righteousness that actually wants to come inside of us it's not okay i'm gonna be good so that i can earn my way to heaven one day it's actually i want to come and transform you Paul prays for the Galatians and he says, I'm weeping and I'm in anguish until Christ is formed in you. It's not so that you'll be good one day. Not so that you'll stop 
like doing what's really the wrong thing. And it's like, actually, you have no idea of the potential locked up inside of you. You have no idea. You may struggle with depression or anxiety or it's like, yeah, I'm going to touch on this lightly, but like they literally, I read an article this week in The Guardian that they published. They've analyzed the use of antidepressants and all of this. And basically it comes away that there's no conclusive like evidence that there's actually anything to a chemical imbalance in your brain. Like they've studied all of the literature and it's like the serotonin levels and this idea that we've got of this is how we view our mental health is based on faulty or flawed or debatable science. It's not as conclusive as what we've been led to believe. I'm not the expert in that, so I've invited Wendy Cravenstone to actually come, and she's going to be here next week. She is the most qualified, the most respected person I know in this field around mental health and connecting it to Christianity. It's literally what she's done her PhD in. So if this is anything of a question of yours, please come next week. Just because I think there's, there's, a, there's especially something on our... Um, is an attack on our understanding of ourselves. And so much of our thinking is locked up in this. And we have tried to trust the most educated people. And the problem is they don't understand humanity. When your worldview is based upon evolutionary science, we hear by accident, we are a product of just our biology. You cannot address our spiritual and sinful nature. which plays an integral part in how your mind is doing. When you understand your identity with God, that can't help but transform your approach to depression and anxiety and fear of the future and who you are and the future God has for you. If you don't understand getting a new heart and a new mind, how can you address the problems we're actually facing? And that's not, I'm not trying to downplay like the struggles that you have. I'm actually saying they are far bigger than what just a pill can do mm. what you need is God and a transformed identity yeah. and he can bring transformation yeah. now we don't make rash decisions don't like just throw away your medication or anything like that that's something we, we, we work out together but that's why we partner in this but what I want to say is that there is a hope and a future for you mm. that you may see depression and God's saying I see my daughter yeah. and I see my delight and you have no idea the future I have for you. That's God looking at us and saying like, oh, you may see that oh, I'm, a, I'm a failure. I keep going back to this thing time and time again. And he's like, no, I see your future. I see you flying. I see you soaring because of who I've made you to be. So that's where God's saying like man I want you to invest in the future and think about what I've given you your resources your treasure your finances your ability your your degrees that I've given you the capacity the the mind that I've given you you are going to put it to work for my kingdom and because of that your heart is going to be locked up in the kingdom and that takes root like on the ground here we we do it in church and we do it where we start seeing each other And we start investing in each other. And then our love actually starts being here for each other. It's like the more I spend time with you, the more I love you. The more I spend time praying for you, the more I love you. Because I'm investing 
some of my time and my energy and my effort into it. And because of that, my love is there. And the same thing for you guys. The more you invest your time, your resources, your energy in this community, the stronger it becomes. Because that's what God is building here. He's building a family. He's building an army. He's building His church. He's building His bride. This is our little expression of it. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Like... I'm amazed at what God has done in 11 months. That is far beyond what I dreamt of. And you think what he could do in another year. What has he done this year in your life? Who you were a year ago and who you are today is not the same person. Who you were a month ago and who you are today is not the same person. What can he do in another month? And in another month, and in another month, you can transform your situation like you never dreamt of. You are not bound by anything that you were in the past. God can give you a new heart and a new mind. And He does that by first giving you new eyes. So, for me, the, the most confusing part of this passage, and I think the power of it, is actually this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I think what God wants, what Jesus is saying there, is it depends on how you see the world will determine what's actually happening inside of you. The vision that you have of the world. Fancy guys talk about it as your worldview. Like, where we, where we come from, our origin stories. Being into comic books, they always have like these origin stories of where we come from. And this is what created you. This is what shaped you. And depending on your origin story, hey, what your parents were like, where you came from. Or we take it all the way back. Are we a product of just random chance or accident, evolution? I, I don't think so. The Bible talks about God spoke life and He created us. And He created us as the image of God. And He he wasn't unaware of your story, of your parents, of your upbringing. He saw everything. And it has shaped you, but it does not define you. And it definitely doesn't define your destiny and your future. So God can speak into where you come from. And He can speak into where you are going. So a worldview always talks about like where we come from, our origin, where we're going, our destiny, our, like where we are now, like why we actually are here, our meaning. It talks about how we should actually live. It talks about our morality. So it's like we need to have God come and redefine our view of the world, our worldview. He wants to come and give you a whole new set of lenses. He wants to come and do eye surgery on you with like Warren. You guys ever saw Warren trying to reverse out of our driveway? <laughs> like we, we needed to like take a chair because it took a while. <laughs> After his his surgery, like races out of here. It's just like just trying to show off. And he, like French had to try and one up him by reversing in this point, which is impressive. Uh, but when your vision is transformed. Like where you are going can completely be transformed. Yeah. So I was meditating on that and I was thinking like, man, 
you think about like Ezekiel 37 where God's speaking and he shows this just valley of dry bones. And God actually asks, like, man, can these, can these bones live? And the, the bones are a representation of the people of God. And the prophet's saying, like, God, only you know. And he says, no, prophesy to them. And say, say live. And the bones start forming into an army. And it talks about the people of God, where they are far from God and they are dead and they are dying. And we look at our, our lives and our situations and we think, man, no life can come from that. Those relationships are burnt. They're done. I've damaged them so much. That they, they don't want to hear from me. They don't want to speak to me. They don't, it's like actually speak into those situations. Not what you want. You speak into them the life of God. You prophesy into those situations. And then you can actually see the life coming. And that forms an army. One book on this passage talks about you see bones. I see an army. When God looks at a situation, when you see just death, I see an army. When you see a country that is falling apart, I see the potential. When you see a life that is falling apart, I see the future. I can see what I can do with it. And it's almost like the worse the story, the better the testimony. That's why we get Warren up here every single week. It's like, it goes through like week after week after week. Just the... Anyway, we need to get like fall again or something. Like, oh, something. No, 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 no. And then I was thinking, like, where else, God? Show me where you have actually opened eyes and transformed the situation. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's an incredible story. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such a place. So God was literally giving secret words to Elisha so that like anything the enemy planned was thwarted. Like this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Like, which of you is the snitch? Which of you is giving away these plans? Which of you is the spy? He says, None of us, my lord. The king said to one of his officers, But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is. The king ordered, So I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Then the servants of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. They literally, they're surrounded by horses and chariots. It's like Ukraine looking and there's Russians everywhere and there's, the tanks are there. And it's like, actually, those that are with us are more than with him. And Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Crazy thing is, I'd, I'd heard the story many, many times. And I always stopped there. 
And it's like, oh man, they got horses and chariots, and it's like there's gonna be this cool battle scene where like the the forces of God are coming. And that's not what happens. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, and Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me. I will lead you to the man you're looking for. Literally, the enemy's rushing in on them, and they struck with blindness. And he's like, Okay, no, don't worry, I'll take you to the place you want to go. <laughs> A little bit of lying there, but it's okay. Elisha told them, This is not the road, yeah. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they came, so that they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your sword or your bow? Set food and water before them, so that they may eat and drink, and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away. And they returned to their master, so that the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. found it just so funny we we always stop that story where it's like man there's the the chariots of fire and there's the enemy that's with us and actually they win the battle with the feast because they win over the enemy at that stage as well yeah yeah they bring them in and they actually they say look at the power we've got we can strike you with blindness we can do this and it's actually there's just a complete change in perspective so when they, they, they operate with grace, they win the battle, but they win over the enemy as well without having to even like fight. And that's the God we serve. Like, so you can wake up and face these chariots around us and there's the enemy around us and we faced with a heart attack and we faced with like a, without a job and without a future and there's conflict in our family. And God's saying, don't worry. There's more people with you than against you. Because I am with you. Just you and God is more than anybody else. And he's saying, I want to give you new eyes. I want to give you a new perspective. I want to give you a new worldview. I want to give you a perspective on your situation that is so otherworldly that you're transformed. Even the, the enemies that are coming against you. Even those that are against you. By the grace that you operate in. You will win over those that are hurt with you. You will win over those that are frustrated. You will win over the, those that were disappointed with you. You will transform your situation. That, that stress, that depression, that anxiety will be won over. Because God is fighting for you. And he says, seek the kingdom and my righteousness. And it's part of us actually training for godliness. Paul writing to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. God wants us open our eyes to a future we never dreamt of. That actually there is an eternal kingdom 
Like, as much as I was shaken by Athol's news this morning, there's something of us being reminded of the, I don't know, the, the temporal nature of our life here. And there is an eternal kingdom that we are actually living for. Amen. That is what we are fighting for. So it may be this heavy moment where we're reminded of what God's actually doing. But at the same time, it can be the most freeing aspect. Because it doesn't matter what you are going through. It doesn't matter that ah, the past few years that you've actually had and the challenges you've had to face. God has a future for you. Michelle, it's been such a privilege having you a part of our church. I've seen you coming here like almost in a challenge situation to begin with and just finding a place of peace but to see you I think start feeling at home here has been an incredible privilege for me and I think it's just a glimpse of what God wants to do with many many more that doesn't matter where you come from doesn't matter what you've gone through God wants to just create this incredibly safe environment around you. It's inherent in the nature of God that He wants to, to come and create a safe place. So the, the, the grace of God comes and He says, I want you to be in my kingdom. I want you to come and be in relationship with me. Because of that, I'm going to give you an identity that can never be lost. And through that relationship with God, it allows you to be vulnerable. It allows you to be confronted with the brokenness inside of you. Because it doesn't matter if... When we're weak, when we're confronted with a problem in ourselves, and a a challenge, we're tempted to hide that. It's like, have you ever been confronted with like, okay... I see there's a challenge here with you. It's like, no, no, there isn't. You're sometimes a little bit defensive about this. No, I'm not. It's like, oh, I think you are. But because God wants to create this, this bubble, I was thinking about it last week when, when I was preaching. It's like that, like road rage. When you are, are safe in your car, there's an ability for you to express who you are. And God wants to do that in relationship. He wants to do that in church. He wants to create an environment that is so safe for you that you don't have to pretend. You can actually be yourself. And when you are yourself, it's risky. Because if I let down the walls and I actually am honest about where I'm at and I'm honest about life, and you know what? I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with this and I don't know what to do financially and I don't know how to provide for my family. And I don't know. It's like, I don't know what to do. It takes incredible vulnerability to actually admit that. But because we're in a safe environment, we can do that. And by doing that, we open up. And then we have the benefit of the resources around us. And then we've got the resources of 
men and women that have walked a long road with God and they know what to do. And they, they can share their wisdom. And the Bible talks about that. Older women teaching younger women how to live. I saw an example of that just this week. And older men know how to mentor and love and care for those that are younger than them. And we learn to actually be the community of God that we are called to be. And because of that, we, we start pursuing this kingdom together. And we start being the church that we need to be. The Lord... I know that people are struggling. I know that there's challenges. We've struggled with depression. We've struggled with anxiety. But help us to understand that we are sons and daughters. That our (coughs) Father, who is in heaven, knows what we need. And He can provide it for us. Help us to be vulnerable. Help us to open up to those around us. To actually say, I need help. And to listen when we are given that, that help, Lord. When we are given that advice. Help us to turn to you and hear your words of guidance and encouragement, Lord. Help us to know where to invest. Invest our lives, invest our resources, invest our energy. Help us to actually lay down our lives for your kingdom. To seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Thank you for the promise that as we do that, we will have everything added to us. That actually those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. Help us not to do this out of just religious obligation, but we'll be transformed from the inside out, from our hearts, Lord. I pray, like Elisha, that you would just give everybody eyes of faith here, Lord. That we will see you with your your eyes, Lord. You may see depression in your life and God sees his delight. God sees his daughter or his son. You may see an incredible stressful situation, but God sees salvation. He wants to come and bring transformation into your life. You may see addiction. You may look in the mirror and see an addict and God says, I see a saint. You may see failure and God sees a future. The reason we can trust this is because we look and we see a crucifixion and God looks and he sees his king. Or because of that transformation, that transformation of our eyes, transformation of the way we see the world, that we will not be going to secular experts anymore but we'll run to you and we'll find you and we'll hear your voice we'll turn to you as our financial advisor and our psychologist (coughs) even our optometrist I pray that you give us spiritual eyes and spiritual glasses that we would see the world in a whole new way we would see our family in a whole new way we would see our futures in a whole new way we would see our kids in a whole new way we would see our families and our in-laws and our our businesses in a whole new way we would see the potential that you have locked up inside of them we would see the potential locked up in those around us we would see the gifts that you have given us 
And we would learn to use them and trust them and operate in them. And we'd use what you have given us to bless those around us. Whether it's our finances, whether it's our cooking skills, whether it's our businesses, whether it's our... Lord, whether it's just our life. I pray that you'd give us new eyes, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen.